Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I'm super excited about today's guest. We have Hugo Gomez, who is the founder of Avogados Now. He's been doing some really interesting work in the Spanish-speaking market. I've heard some fantastic things about the results he's been getting, and uh, we're super excited to have you on the show, Hugo. So um, welcome on. Thanks, Jan. Super excited to be here. So before we kind of get into the details, I saw some awesome stuff about conversion and I want to get to that as soon as possible. But before, just to give people a little bit of context, tell us more about your journey, man. How'd you end up getting to the point where you're running avocados now? So I've always been working in lead generation. For a better part of my career, I was in financial lead generation, commercial finance and consumer finance. And I got kind of bored of it after six or seven years. I got into legal pay-per-lead, legal marketing agency. I did that for about nine months, got bored of that too, and said, I could, I could do this a different way. This is an interesting vertical, and it appears that attorneys were trending towards not wanting to buy more leads anymore from third parties, and they were more interested in building their own Spanish brands. So there were really no organizations in the country that were meeting that need. So I just decided to start one myself, fully bootstrapped. And five years later, we've got over 200 members across the country, and we're running tens of millions of ads ads a month, generating thousands of leads a month as well. That's fantastic. And as far as the kind of structure, so you guys own and operate brands right now. So it's, it's you know, you guys are doing more or less a people can buy into a brand as opposed to doing like agency services, doing things under the banner of an attorney, right? So yeah, rather it is, it does work under marketing agency service. So there are generally two models that where, where attorneys can, can get leads. The one is that they can buy leads directly from a media company that has their own uh, portfolio of brands, or they can work with an agency like us who will build their own Spanish brand, their own websites, their videos, and essentially their whole creative content and lead generation strategy from the ground up so that the attorney can have ownership their Spanish marketing strategy. Okay, awesome. And I think it's, uh, this is kind of interesting too, because you know, you and I kind of pre-chat stuff, we're, we're marketing nerds, we kind of know the distinction, but I think it's really important for people to understand like these two different paths, because man, there was a time where we were doing a lot of work, I wouldn't say against, but let's just say that uh, we happen to get a lot of clients from people who are doing Martindale Nolo stuff. And yeah. like advantages, disadvantages to taking a, that more branded lead approach versus an in-house stuff. Like what would you say is like the major advantage that people have by going that route? The, the major advantage of in-house ownership of your own Spanish brand is that one, it's yours. So it's not going anywhere. It's, it's all grown on your terms. Secondly, it can scale to however much business you want. Or in some cases, we have attorneys who go on vacation. They want to pause their business for a couple of weeks at a time. Uh, you, you can cap total control over the, the consistent leads that are coming into the firm. We always recommend that an attorney diversifies their lead flow, where we're not one to say, hey, you should only work with an agency and you should only own your brand and run leads through your brand. We're big fans of saying that the overwhelming majority of your leads should come from your own efforts, but you should still diversify with other third-party leads, directory services. You know, we generally don't have anything bad to say about those other companies. I think for the most part, they work 
fairly well for most attorneys. Uh, when attorneys talk to us, they just want more volume. They're just looking for more cases. They're looking for more revenue. So we just think that the biggest advantage is that it's scalable on your own terms and you get all the ownership when you own your own brand. Okay, that's awesome. And I think it's good too to kind of have that like diversity thing because it's like, you know, one of the things, like I said, we, we sold against Martindale Nilo for a little bit. And I got to say, dude, to their credit, they have good volume as well. They can turn on the stuff pretty quick. Like you better be quick on the phone if you want to beat the other five attorneys that got that lead. But, you know, it's a known quantity. It's it's good. And, you know, people can kind of hedge their bets a little bit by having multiple sources. But yeah, it's, it's good to kind of understand like the different mixes. And especially, you know, when you have the situation where people are doing multiple marketing channels, this is how the biggest firms think, guys. It's not about just having the one situation that you ride to the top. It's, you know, the, the larger things get, not only is it more important to be able to stabilize that revenue as you support a larger and larger team, but you have to go to new places to find volume. That's just, just kind of the name of the game. And also gives me a nice segue too. So it's like, you know, when, let's talk about the Spanish market here. So what um unique stuff have you guys found about operating in the Spanish market and what challenges of people that, you know, before they're running into you, like what issues are people having with, with getting into that market? So there, there was a recent stat and I believe it was from Thomson Reuters where they, they mentioned that less than 3% of attorneys nationwide are actively marketing towards Spanish-speaking markets, which is wild to hear because one out of five people in the United States is of Hispanic, Latino, or some Spanish-speaking origin. So only, let's call it one out of 33 attorneys in the nation are not tapping into the one out of five people in the country available seeking legal help. So that is truly unique, meaning there's not a lot of competition. And this is largely why I started Avogados Now. There are too many competitors in the English market. There's way too many English competitors. So what you need to do in order to scale is you have to find some competitive advantage. And oftentimes the biggest low-hanging low fruit competitive advantage is advertising in Spanish, just because the numbers are substantial. They're super meaningful. The second layer to that is that Spanish speakers over-index the general market on mobile phone usage. So when we talk to attorneys, they generally know by the time you talk to us that they need to advertise in Spanish. They're fully aware of that crossroads that they're at. What we're here to say is, okay, glad you met us there. However, we need to double down on where Spanish speakers generally are. Spanish speakers are on their mobile phones. So if you want to tap into this market that is largely underserved by your competitors, and if you really want to have an authentic place in this growing market, the fastest growing market segment in the United States, you need our help to run your ads on mobile phones. So that, that is super unique to this market. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of supply and demand, and those are some pretty compelling stats that you kind of lay out there. Okay, so in addition to the mobile phones, I mean, and also given that you have a bunch of experience with lead gen kind of like broadly in the, in the US market as well, what other differences have you guys found in terms of how this market behaves versus you know, the general financial market or the general legal market or, or anything else like that? We actually ran some stats in personal injury that Spanish speakers, at least in our campaigns, are quicker to call an attorney after an accident than those in English speaking communities. 
which was wild. We just came to this data. It's about 18 months of data. Our ads team ran it, data team ran it. Pretty impressive to find out that there's a lot of urgency in the Spanish speaking community. But when we really dived into the why, and this is a, a speculation, we don't have truly hard data on this, but our speculation is that the call response time or the call to the first call to an attorney is so quick because oftentimes there are very few other options to call. So I think that that in the English side of marketing, there's a longer time to that first call because consumers generally have a lot more options to vet out. So that's super unique when there's less options out there, when you can really own that local market in Spanish advertising, it's just going to be a higher likelihood that your ad dollars are going to result in some quicker signups. That's unique to personal injury. We haven't finished that analysis with other practice areas, but I would imagine it's probably the same. Yeah, I really, that's fascinating to hear. And it's it's a, a kind of an analog that like we've discovered in, in sort of our practices. Like we've, we found that there's a difficulty, especially as the listing spaces on Google have kind of become, and the, the joke I always say is like, you know, the, the real thing that messed us up for attorneys is Amazon Prime, right? Because mm -hmm. everyone's used to comparison shopping. You're picking an attorney the same way you'd, you'd pick dish detergent. It's like, you know, who's got the most stars? Who's got the lowest price? Yeah. Maybe I'll pay a little extra for the other ones. But if you're in a situation where you're, I mean, it's, so that kind of explains like the, uh, the frequency, but like, you know, actually speeding up the sales cycle is that definitely is plausible to me. And I also wonder if that has an effect on some of the fantastic conversion rates that you guys have been seeing on the front end too. And I'll use that as a pivot to uh, talk about this. So, you know, one of the things I saw in the, in the brief of this which really caught my eye, 70% conversion rates. Let's talk about that. Yeah, there is a two-way street in that regard. So we do the best job that we can in our ads to qualify folks well before they even see a phone number or the opportunity to drop in their lead information on a lead form. So I, I think that that has a lot to do with it. But the other half is intake. When a Spanish-speaking consumer is calling into a firm, you need to make sure that that phone number at your firm is connected to someone who is going to answer that call in Spanish. So even before we run these ad campaigns, even before we have a sales engagement with an attorney, we have to qualify the attorney and make sure that they either have bilingual intake staff or that they're open to using one of our bilingual virtual professionals to answer their calls, or they might be interested in using a third-party call center that is fully bilingual. The most important aspect in this whole relationship between Abogados Now and the attorney is making sure that the attorney can answer calls in Spanish authentically, respectfully, and on brand with the brand that we create for that firm. Yeah, I was going to say, because that would be like a crazy rug pull. <laughs> the call is like, howdy, how y'all do it? Like, <laughs> yeah, happens all the time. You'd be surprised. We call attorneys to, to make sure that the IVRs are working, the call routing is working. And when it's not working, you see their conversions suffer. And it's largely because they didn't establish the right business rules for caller ID, Spanish caller ID versus English caller ID. Small nuances like that could cost firms thousands of dollars in ad spend. We see it all the time. So generally speaking, if you're really thinking about dabbling into Spanish marketing, just make sure you can answer the calls in Spanish 100% of the time. That will, will make or break the, the success of your campaign. 
Yeah. And beyond that too, like you're going to have to have a situation where somebody who's able to take a consultation is Spanish speaking as well. Right. Or are we generally working with firms that have a bilingual partner or a fully Spanish partner, or like, I guess, you know, how the, how to manage guys would call a dragon that can do the closing for them in Spanish. Like how far into the funnel does it go with the Spanish? So inversely, surprisingly, not a big deal if the attorney doesn't speak Spanish or if they have a limited or no Spanish-speaking staff. And here's what we found also in the data. Overwhelmingly, the Spanish-speaking consumers that connect to Spanish intake and end up becoming a client of a firm, what will happen is even if the firm has bilingual staff or Spanish-speaking staff, rather, it is super likely, like four out of five times likely that that Spanish speaking individual will bring someone to the office or the Zoom appointment who speaks English. So this is a very unique phenomenon in Spanish, but ultimately it really doesn't matter if you don't have the support staff because more often than not, Spanish speakers, especially those from Spanish dominant households or high population densities of Spanish uh, dominant communities, they will more often than not bring someone like a loved one, a relative, a neighbor with them who speaks English on their behalf. Dude, that is a huge game changer because like, I feel like that's an invisible objection that a lot of people might have that they're not even bringing afford. But yeah, it's like, you know, it makes all the sense in the world. It's like, you know, they're meeting with your law firm today, but they've had to deal with people that don't speak Spanish for their entire lives since they've moved to the country, like in a lot of instances. So yeah, you know, whatever you bring the son, the daughter, whoever wants them to be, and you don't even have to have a translator at the office. That's, that's incredible. I would have never expected that. Yeah, we didn't know either. We thought that the qualifier to be in this program was you needed bilingual staff. And it's why we're able to scale in Idaho, in Kansas, in Tennessee, and in states that are on the lowest numbers of population and total percentage of Spanish speakers, according to the 2020 census, we're able to arguably offer what we do in all 50 states, which is pretty remarkable because of this unique phenomenon with Spanish speaking clients and English speaking attorneys. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And that gives me another question too, because it's like, you know, I feel like um, it's something that's happening. Mean, there's Spanish speaking populations in every single state. Like, you know, I'm calling you in Austin, Texas. Well, I'm calling you in Los Angeles from Austin, Texas. I feel like firms around here, secret might be out. But like for the people yeah. who are thinking, hey, you know, I'm in Wisconsin or whatever like that, you guys are finding success there. Is there any, and I mean, I could say even arguably, like we kind of see it, it's probably the places that you'd feel are the least likely or like the least visible populations probably have the least competition from other attorneys advertising, right? That's right. Yeah. So we like going after what we call uh, B and C markets, which are markets that are least likely to be to have the perception of highest population of Spanish speakers, because we just need to refer to the data. There's so much census data that in the majority of states, there are a growing there are growing populations of Spanish speakers. So the trend is only up to the right for this particular market in most states. You know, depending on the state, it's more difficult or challenging to educate attorneys on that reality. But more often than not, I, I get the sense that attorneys are already there. They understand that in their local communities, they're seeing more people speak Spanish, you know, for one reason or another. And that is enough anecdotal evidence for an attorney to, you know, raise their antennas and say, I should be doing something about this. I should be marketing to my local community 
well beyond what my competitors are doing. You know, so we're super altruistic. We want to make sure that Spanish speakers have options, that they feel like they have options to legal access. But at the same time, we also want to make sure that attorneys have competitive advantage. So it's a win-win scenario. There's low competition and there's a community that really wants legal help. So we may as well bridge that gap. Yeah, that's fantastic. So switching gears a little bit in terms of market opportunities, I know we've talked about personal injury a couple of times so far. What other practice areas would you say are a good opportunity or underserved right now in this market? So naturally, anyone in the United States, regardless of language, socioeconomic background, they all have the same issues. People go through divorces, they need to file for visas, they might have some criminal issues that they need to address. Across the board, we're seeing the same proportion of cases among our population, English versus Spanish. We see that it's quite similar. The only area that it's unique, super unique, is probate estate planning. And that's because Spanish-speaking business owners are uniquely underserved. This is, uh, there's, there's a multi-generational uh, aspect here. But generally speaking, in certain parts of the country, there aren't that many generations of wealth having been built in the last few decades. We're seeing that now change. We're seeing Spanish-speaking business owners, uniquely Spanish-speaking business owners, who are looking for probate estate, wills, trust, and estates, you know, help. And that is a super underserved market. And we are uh, uniquely tapping into, into attorneys in probate law to educate them on this super uniquely underserved market. That's really interesting to hear. Yeah, it's, I've always kind of considered the estate planning stuff kind of the black sheep of legal because it's a little yeah. bit more like, you know, proactive. I mean, the way that people market this is is a lot different than a lot of the other practice areas. But um, yeah, that's, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. And it's, um, I mean, it's, it's awesome to see where the opportunity is, but I can definitely see that because it's, you know, I, I take a listen, I think about a lot of the guys. You know, we've had a couple of people that have popped up in some of the more, you know, obviously Spanish markets like Miami and that kind of thing too. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, I guess it's all over like anything else, right? That's um, and also just you know, kind of thinking about the demographics being steady, it's good because I think that's maybe another invisible objection. Like, oh, I don't want to practice personal injury or like whatever. Just well, you know, if you're doing what you do, there's also Spanish people that need what you have. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, a lot of attorneys assume that it's like this translation exercise. And we, you've seen this with thousands of websites, right? You go to a website and there's like a Google translation tab or there's like a Mexican flag or oftentimes a Spanish flag from Spain, which is wild to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not a translation exercise. If you want to do this the right way, you have to commit. You have to commit to the branding exercise. You have to commit to uh, allowing us to study your local markets to figure out uh, who, what is the immigrant makeup of your community? That is super, super important. And so when we hear that attorneys believe that this is more of a language exercise, we oftentimes have to pump the brakes and wa really walk them through what it takes to do this the right way. Because what will work, for instance, in Southern California in marketing in Spanish is a very different strategy than that of, let's, let's say, Miami, Florida. And it's oftentimes because the Spanish-speaking community and their values are oftentimes informed by how they got into the country. And so we're dealing largely in Spanish-speaking markets with super diverse communities, many 
that are documented, many that are not documented, and everyone in between who is on the path to some kind of documentation. That, that's very cultural. And to be and really being sensitive to those value sets, how those communities came to be in your local and your local markets, that's really how you can define the right strategy in Spanish. If otherwise it would work if we just threw up a Google Translate switch. Yeah, because otherwise it can come off as like super tone deaf. And I'm just trying to think like, you know, I went up, I'm in Austin now. There's a lot of people that are from Mexico or Toronto sure. from like ways back. When I was in New York, you know, most of the people I knew that spoke Spanish were probably from Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, like a lot of the West Indies and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, like if you're talking about the wrong like <laughs> wrong message for the other people too. Like I remember hearing something from a prospect. So it was asking, Oh yeah, like oh, where's your family from? Like I guess it's like Cuba. Like, it's just like, yeah. like, not going to land well. It's like, you got to yeah. you know, understand what you're getting into here. Yeah, New York is super unique because, you know, we try to write copy and marketing strategies really custom fit for what the majority of the immigrant makeup is in a particular market. So, for instance, you mentioned Austin. Yeah, the numbers suggest that it's largely Mexican, right? In Miami, it's largely Cuban-Americans, Puerto Ricans. In New York, Jersey, it is... Everyone, everyone, every, and so New York is, is is a really interesting market because you have to sort of be really conservative on the line of of how you write copy. It's not it's it's somewhat general so that it appeases almost all Spanish speakers who can who can read and write in Spanish. Whereas in all these other markets, you custom fit based on those community values. It's it, it it's super unique in that market, but generally speaking, it's a lot more work to do this. And I like to mention that upfront to do this right in Spanish, it's a lot more work, but the dividends are so much bigger than they are in other than any other market segment. Yeah. And I didn't even know, like, I mean, this is the thing. I know a lot of agencies that'll just copy paste pages and it's like, that's not what's happening. Like the, the amount of calibration that it's looking like just even in answering that question, like the work that kind of goes into customizing this stuff, you know, that's, that's head and shoulders above. And that's, you know, I'm sure all you guys have been able to scale up to the amount of revenue that you guys are managing. The reinvestment's not happening if stuff isn't working out and paying itself back, right? But yeah, that's fantastic. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit. So something um, you mentioned earlier that I found super interesting. How do you guys think about intake as far as, I think you mentioned that you guys have uh, access to in-house staff or recommendation of third-party softwares and working with the firm's uh, you know, staff that they have on, I guess that would be their in-house staff. How do you guys operate? What do you guys see in terms of the differences and performance with those different things? And like, what do you guys recommend overall as kind of like best? most common case or whatever. I think best case scenario is having a well-trained bilingual in-house staff, you know, receptionist or intake person. I think that that is the best because that person will be able to answer off the cuff questions that are not on script, like what neighborhood are you in, for instance, or, you know, what are your general working hours on this particular week where there's a holiday that there's unique conversation points that can only happen and are best answered from people in-house. I think that full stop, that's the best. The second best option is a service that we offer. It's a bilingual virtual professional, and we screen for candidates across the Americas. Our whole team is across the Americas, North, Central, and South. And what we look for are young bilingual professionals who are looking to step up in their career, who have some decent education, who are fully bilingual, we screen them, we, we get two or three candidates to present to our attorney members. And then based on the vibe that they get, they can choose to 
hire an exclusive bilingual professional for their their staff. And so that person will be great for answering calls and being an extension of the firm, but they're also a great executive administrative assistant. So they'll help with intake, scheduling calls, email, text, follow-up, invoicing, things of that nature. The third best option is using a third-party call center. But the reason I say it's a third best option is because all call centers are not created equal, right? Some have better CRMs, better management, uh, better quality assurance. Uh, you know, I, I think that ranking is what we find as most successful. Um, however, they can all work if all the stars align. Yeah, that's super interesting. And it's kind of funny. So we have a sort of a similar analog. Uh, we do some outs like in in-house call center for some of our estate planning clients. And I actually make the same recommendation. It's always better to have somebody in your office physically, just because yeah, it's like, hey, where do I find parking? Like, you know, you're never gonna get somebody that kind of stuff too. But it's interesting that you have the placement that's kind of be kind of like you, you get somebody who's just you're virtually placing a staff. It's not like they have kind of like a per but um, and we were talking about this a little bit on the pre chat too. Like, I mean, we hire people to speak in English from those same countries. And it's yeah. fantastic. Like I've, I've honestly love working with all the people that I've met from Central and South America. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a really awesome service you guys have as well. Yeah, and I think it speaks to where attorneys are going now. They're running leaner. The world is getting flatter. So the, the workforce uh, competitivity is just increasing. You know, so domestic offshore, it's almost becoming a moot point now. You know, and I think that's a good thing overall. I think it just speaks to to the fact that there's talent everywhere and it's priced fairly if you can find the right resources. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it, I feel like that the running lean methodology is what brought us here. Tell me more about that. That's a really interesting point. Yeah, so I, I especially post pandemic, post lockdown era, attorneys are are rethinking their staff. You know, they may have had a difficult time during that period. And so they, they oftentimes have to rethink their org chart. And I don't know of many firms today that are the same as they were pre-2020. So it, it appears that attorneys are just more welcoming and open to hearing about virtual staffing. And to some extent, I think Avogadro's now is a virtual marketing department. In fact, when we talk to attorneys and they ask what we do, we just simplify it. We just say, we're your marketing department. We run your brands. We run your campaigns. We manage everything under the Spanish marketing umbrella on your behalf. And you just see a lot of attorneys, you know, the attorney gurus selling courses and things of that nature. They're all talking about this subject, about the reinvention of the org chart, uh, about running leaner, about being able to uh, price more competitively, transactional law, if you will, as a result of having leaner operations. That can put you ahead of the curve. So I, I think it, it's a result of a post-COVID lockdown mentality. And, and I think it's made us run a little more smarter and leaner. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There was a really awesome book I read and actually somebody had on the podcast, uh, Mike Whalen and his book Lawyer Forward, which was super awesome. And he kind of described a shift towards, and I don't know if this is a is an idea I heard from him for the first time, or it was one that he came up with. But yeah, just kind of like a shifting. And this was pre-COVID too, which is really prescient. But just like, I think COVID was a big time for people to explore, hey, you know, what are we doing for momentum? What do we actually really need from first principles? Stuff like having an office 
stuff like that kind of thing, stuff like hiring local, hiring in the country even. But the way that he kind of described it is, is, you know, we have sort of like this new economy of people that might, you know, it's a mix of, it used to be the firm and every some single person within the firm, within the one building, but you could have employees, you can have part-time, you can have people you pay by contract, you can have people that are whole other companies that serve a function like, you know, you guys are doing with Avogados now. And it's just, you know, to kind of go back to the, the definition of entrepreneurship, right? Like taking resources from an area of some productivity to more productivity and capturing that value. There's a lot more options that might be confusing to more people, but at the same time, it's it's the opportunities greater than ever. If you can figure out where the value actually lies and kind of allocate it in a way that you can actually get a benefit from. So yeah, cheers to the opportunities. <laughs> yeah. All right, Hugo, it's been an awesome conversation. I appreciate the uh, the little last bit of turn towards the future of the economy. But yeah, for people who have been digging this conversation, what's the best way to get into your world? So I invite anyone who's really interested in talking to me about uh, Spanish legal marketing to email me. Um, my direct email is hugo at obligadosnow.com. Or you could book an appointment uh, with our sales team at obligadosnow.com. There's a calendar feature. You can pick your own date and time and, and we can start chatting about your goals. Obligados is the Spanish word for attorney or lawyer. So uh, we're fully bilingual, our whole staff, and we're, we're you get to talk to anyone who's really looking to scale. Hugo, thank you for that. And this has been a really awesome conversation. Um, I think you guys, if you're considering the Spanish market, this is an absolutely great opportunity for you to take. But also just from a principal's perspective, I want you guys to keep in mind the biggest opportunities are sometimes where the stuff that's available, the supply and demand, you always got to keep that stuff in mind. So anyways, you really, really appreciate the conversation. And for everybody else, I'll see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thanks, Jan. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode. 